DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. The red and the blue. Every Friday, we talk Utes and Cougars. And we're talking right now with the Utes' Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kyle, good morning. DJ, PK, good morning to you gentlemen. This is so in your wheelhouse, it's unbelievable. Here comes Cal with the starting quarterback hurt, the backup quarterback's hurt. They got to start a freshman who's a third stringer, and they've got multiple injuries on the offensive line. You, you are a former offensive lineman. Imagine yourself stepping in with little to no experience, and you've got to face this Ute defensive line. You've got a freshman quarterback behind you. What are you thinking right now? Well, you're trying to figure out how to hold on and just do your job because the idea is ludicrous of, of a young freshman lineman for Cal going up and having a good game against Utah's D-line. Utah's D-line is elite. Uh, it may be the best ever at Utah, and that's why the spread is so big. I mean, I checked this morning. I think it was three scores there. Uh, Cal's really struggling over the last three or four weeks. They've lost to some weird teams. I mean, last week's loss to Oregon State, I think, is the embodiment of what happens in football when you lose your quarterback. It's why I told you guys last week I thought the Utes were going to have a lot of success against Arizona State because Arizona State hadn't beaten a good team in quite a while. I mean, they beat Michigan State a while ago, but we'll see how good Michigan State ends up being. When Arizona State beat Cal, you saw that Cal had to go to Devon Monster in the second half. Monster's not a good quarterback. Then he got hurt last week. You mentioned, I, I don't know who the third-string quarterback is, Garsh or Marsh or whatever his name is for Cal, but he's going to struggle just like Jaden Daniels did for Arizona State last week. The moment you get hit from Lecky Fotu, it changes everything. Think about what USC went through when on the I think the first series, Lucky Fotu knocked their quarterback out, and they had to go to Matt Fink as the backup. The D line is the great equalizer in football. It's the only reason Tom Brady lost a couple of Super Bowls to the Giants was that incredible Giants defensive line. And this is going to be a monster test because you, you saw Sam Darnold this week in the NFL talk about seeing ghosts. Well, that. That happens when what you see on film changes a bit and then somebody hits you in the ear hole. You've got to try to adjust, and then you're worried about getting hit after that. But the youth defensive line is elite, and I think they're going to have a lot of success against Cal this week. So put yourself in the position of an offensive coordinator or an offensive line coach or a running back coach, you know, the whole offensive staff. What would you do to try to slow down this defensive line in particular, and maybe even the linebackers if they're coming as far as that goes, because they have just had success after success, and it's building, and I'm not sure I see it slowing down any time for the rest of this season. Well, yeah, the, the adjustment that you have to make, especially if you're a running backs coach, if you're an offensive coach, you've got to keep your running backs in to protect. You can't be having your running backs dribble out and, and have them open in the flat 
and have one of those cute plays work. No, because if you rely on just your offensive line and maybe one tight end, your quarterback is going to be getting hit over and over, and it, it may not be from a blitz from the Utes. The Utes have not been a heavy blitz team throughout much of the season. They've relied on their defensive line. That means if you only rush four defensive linemen, you can drop seven guys into coverage. So back to your question, PK, what do you do to adjust? You keep your running backs in to max protect. You keep your tight ends in to protect the quarterback. And you try to rely on just a couple of guys getting open. And Cal's going to have some success. They're going to be able to run the ball a bit. But you saw what happened to a young quarterback last week in Jaden Daniels. When he got flustered, he couldn't find guys open. The game was moving too fast for him. That's got to be some kind of record. What did Arizona State throw for? 25 yards or something last week. So if I'm a Cal coach, I'm saying – how much smarter do I think I am than Herm Edwards? Because right, maybe you think you're smart, but Arizona State's got good coaches too, and they were flabbergasted. And it wasn't because of the game plan. It was because of the physical talent of the Utes. And so if you're a coach, if you're an offensive coordinator for Cal, and you pay your bills based on the wins and losses, you're going to say, we have to get as conservative as possible. We cannot be out there dinking and dunking and ask our quarterback to make 40 throws because he's going to get eaten alive. No, keep it close to the vest. And Cal's got some of that power run game. So I expect Cal to try to do a lot of what Arizona State did last week because credit Eno Benjamin is a very hard-fought game for him, but he still had over 100 yards. And so that's what coaches do. They'll, They'll look at the previous week's game or the previous matchup that makes the most sense, and they'll say, what did Arizona State do well? Well, they certainly didn't pass the ball. They certainly didn't pass protect well. So Arizona State ran the power run game right up the middle, and Cal's going to do that. Cal has some similar schemes to that, so I think you're going to see a lot of Cal trying to run straight ahead, trying to work their power run game, trying to pull their offensive guards. But no, Utah's D-line is just not going to allow Cal to get going much on those deep routes. So the adjustment Cal has to make is they have to keep more guys in to protect to try to keep their third-string quarterback upright. So when you talk about the Ute defensive line, and they've had a bunch of good ones, and now this is the best, and maybe it's the best in the country this year, is it because they're stronger? Is it because they're faster? Their technique is better? The scheme is better than it used to be? Have they actually improved on all of those things or some combination of them? Why, why is this group so good? Scheme has been the same at Utah for close to three decades. The reason why Utah's D-line is good this year is, first and foremost, they are physically talented. Lecky Fotu is 6'5", 330 pounds with no body fat. Bradley and I is 260 pounds. He's got an NFL future ahead of him. They have three total D-tackles that will play in the NFL. And John Penasini looks 40 years old. I mean, he's a grown man out there. So the first and foremost reason is there are some humongous Polynesians on that D-line who have the ability to run at freakish speeds. They have speed and power. Now, the other reason is Utah's got great corners. Uh, Maybe this isn't the best secondary ever at Utah, but they have some great corners, and no one's getting open on the other side of the ball. So Utah's defensive line has been a strong point of their program for some time, but they have depth this year. Max Tupai and Mika Tafua are the guys that don't get talked about a lot, but Man, those guys were getting feisty with Arizona State. I don't know what PK's boys were doing, but there must have been some trash talk going on because you saw a lot of extracurriculars. And Max Tupai is a guy that he doesn't speak. 
I don't know if you guys have ever interviewed him. He turned us yeah. down for interviews for years. He just he will not speak. So if you get him out there pissed off, there must have been some extracurriculars there. But it comes down to finding humongous Polynesians that are six five or you know and three hundred and twenty and three hundred and thirty pounds, and they eat up the interior blocks. They eat up the center guard and center. So the tackles get one on one, and all of a sudden you got to try to block Bradley and I one on one. Or maybe you get the help from some pansy tight end and it doesn't work out. So it, this is just a physically talented defensive line that the youths have done a great job recruiting. A question for you then, as I watched this season so far unfold, do you think that the way to beat Utah with the, you know, we already talked about up front and everything, is to take the SC mode and just chuck it up and hope your receivers make a play? No, the way to beat Utah is to keep hitting their quarterback. I am telling you, I'm getting so frustrated seeing Tyler Huntley get hit over and over, and he got the daylights knocked out of him against Arizona State. Every team is vulnerable without their quarterback. Look at Cal. They were a top 15 team, weren't they? They beat the, Didn't they beat yeah. Washington? Yes, they, yes, they beat yes they did. in Seattle. Yeah, they're 4-0. Yeah. And they come back with their backup quarterback, and they're struggling. Tyler Huntley is like having a motorcycle in Utah. It is so rad for half the year. And then once the weather gets cold, you can't use him anymore. And I say that because the last two years he's gotten hurt, and I'm no fool. Nobody lays on the ground grabbing their calf and their ankle, screaming in agony if they're not hurt. Tyler Huntley had to leave that game. And who came in? A former walk-on named Drew Lisk, not Jason Shelley. Who yeah. the youth, Man, did they screw it up royally with Jack Tuttle. Two years ago, they finally find the first four-star recruit to ever come to Utah, and they don't play him. Jack Tuttle won the backup job in spring. You guys saw it. I was there, at least in my opinion. It was very clear. Jack Tuttle was the backup, but they don't play him two years ago. No, they decide to play Jason Shelley, who is a two-star quarterback who didn't make any throws in practice. And he struggled last year trying to throw the ball. He won some games, and good for him. But that was the big investment that you've made is they decided to go with Jason Shelley over a four-star blue-chip recruit in Jack Tuttle. Jack Tuttle got pissed and transferred, and now Jason Shelley's not even the backup. Now you're going to Drew List? Took so much flack on this when, when Jack Tuttle left. I said it was the wrong move. I said the youth screwed up, and all these Utah fans got butthurt and said, oh, Jack Tuttle quit. He wasn't a competitor. He was, yes, I guess he did technically quit. But he was a very talented quarterback, and the youth should have him at their disposal right now, but they don't. Drew List was one-hopping footballs. My word, at least put Jason Shelley in there, because he's the reason why you lost Jack Tuttle. Tuttle should be on campus. He should be your backup, or at least playing right now, because I don't believe for a second that Huntley's hurt. But I'm getting so sick of seeing the youth get in the top 15 through six or seven or eight weeks with Tyler Huntley, and then he gets banged up. And it's not a coincidence. It's product of college football. It's not Huntley's fault. Every mobile quarterback is getting hurt now each and every week. You need a capable backup, and it's basically the one mistake that Kyle Whittingham's made over the years. It's that timeout against Washington a couple of years ago was weird, and not being Dak Tuttle as a freshman was a huge mistake because he got pissed and he transferred. He's not some nose-to-the-grindstone linebacker. He was a four-star diva quarterback, and you screwed it up. You should have him right now, and they don't. They have a former walk-on in Drew List, who apparently beat out Jason Shelley, but this backup quarterback situation has been unbearable the last couple of years, and that's the way you beat the youth. 
is you just let Tyler Huntley scramble until he takes his fifth or his sixth hit a game. And, you know, everybody's mortal. So that's how you beat the Utes is you just got to get Tyler Huntley out. You think Tuttle really would have been good here because he's third string, five of ten for 27 yards at Indiana. And I'm thinking, it's Indiana. Why are there two guys playing in front of him? Did he get hurt and I missed it? No, look, the, the point is, is that, yeah, he's, he's transferred to a new program and it may not work out for him at Indiana. But USC and Alabama and Oklahoma wanted Jack Tuttle. I watched him in spring. He was the best passer with regularity in spring. And I mean, even over Tyler Huntley that year. Tyler Huntley was coming off a severe injury, and it was coming off the year where Troy Williams should have played. That whole thing was screwed up. But the point is, he got beat out in the coach's eyes by Jason Shelley. All right, well then, why the hell didn't Jason Shelley play last week? Huh? It's because Jason Shelley is not an elite passer either. So, Tuttle stylistically is not at all the same as as Tyler Huntley. Uh, And it's a moot point now because Jack Tuttle left. And... Now the Utes have these three quarterbacks at their disposal. Connor, or what's his name, uh, uh, the, the quarterback who transferred in from Texas, he's Rising. not eligible to play. Yeah, he, he's not eligible to play right now. So, no, I mean, the, the, the conversation is over with Jack Tuttle because it's the first four-star recruit that the Utes ever landed at quarterback, and they decided to redshirt him like that's ever going to work out. So the Utes decided to make that bet, and now they got to sleep in it. But at least play Jason Shelley, because he's the one that apparently beat out the four-star quarterback, Jack Tuttle. So I'd like to see the Utes use Jason Shelley at that point. But, no, Jack Tuttle is not going to be a first-round draft pick. Obviously, he hasn't made that transition well, but I've never seen a quarterback that dialed in technique-wise. I've never seen a quarterback that skilled as a freshman before, and that was a couple of years ago. Okay, so then with that in mind, do you just dumb down the game plan against Cal? Because I don't think that they need to take chances, so there's really no need for Tyler Huntley to get hit at all. Just have him quick throws, get the hand the ball off to Moss, build up a little bit of lead and get him out of there? <laughs> have you ever seen Huntley do that? I mean, I, I'm with you. That's the idea on paper, but Huntley's a competitor. He cannot help himself from diving for the extra yard, from taking hits, from spinning out. He and Zach Moss had a couple of really nasty hits that they got uh, th- that they were you know suffering from against Arizona State. Arizona State's a physical team. Tyler Huntley wanted to win that game, but the Utes should have been up thirty-five to nothing in that game. A couple of weird fumbles. Otherwise, the Utes were completely dominant over Arizona State. ASU wasn't doing anything, but no, you, you can't change Tyler Huntley. It took him till his senior year to get above two hundred pounds, and this is just the style of play that he uses. So. The Utes are the best team in the Pac-12 South and maybe the best team in the Pac-12 with Tyler Huntley, but we've been saying that for a couple of years now. So, yeah, you dumb down the game plan because I don't think Cal's going to move the ball an inch against the Utes. Arizona State really struggled with a freshman quarterback, who I think is pretty good. Jaden Daniels is a good player. I don't know who this Cal quarterback is now. And Garbers is all right. I think Devon Monster's terrible. And then whoever this freshman is, I think he's really going to struggle. So, it's not about this week for the Utes. It's about that Washington game. And then, oddly enough, UCLA and Arizona, they're playing a real up-and-down brand of football. UCLA's found a little bit of life. Uh, I think Colorado's terrible, though. So I think the Utes can really close out the South well, and they can still win this division. But this is a team that's good enough to play in the Rose Bowl. This is a team that's good enough to be knocking on the New Year's Six door. I'd hate to see another really talented Utah team 
struggle because their quarterback gets hurt. So, again, I was, I was watching Huntley last week and just thinking, you know, when you're driving around Utah and it's August and the dude pulls up next to you in the cool Harley and he's revving his engine, you're just like, you're so jealous. I always want to get out there. Motorcycles look so cool here, and then you can't use them for half the year. And that's what Tyler Huntley is. The first four weeks of the season, what was he completing 80% of his balls? He's amazing but he's not amazing when he's on the bench. And it's so heartbreaking to see him on the ground. The trainer's got to come out and drag you off the field. He's hurting, and he's a tough kid. But uh, I, I just if the Utes don't have Tyler Huntley, things change dramatically with their offense. Kyle, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. We will talk to you again next week. Bye, right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. So there. Uh, you know, to to his point about he's liable to take a hit, there were there was a game early, I think it was Northern Illinois, only ran three times. I wonder if he can get back to that. Or do the coaches just say, we can win this game with a backup quarterback? They won three games with Shelley last year. You know, once, you, once you're playing like nine and ten win teams, I think Shelley was one and two in the games he started against those teams. Northwestern, Washington, they did win the Oregon game. But they beat Colorado, they beat BYU. You were Colorado, you thought that game was easy for them. It was. Yeah. And so you got here at Cal, a team is shredded by injuries. If, if 14, 17, 20 points is going to win the game, can't Shelley or let's do that? They can this week. Yeah. So get Huntley as healthy as possible for the Washington game. Agreed. And honestly, the same thing at running back with Zach Moss, because I thought when Zach ran off the field in the fourth quarter, there was a tight shot of him on TV. That left arm looked like it was against the body. The right arm was swinging normally, like when you jog. Yeah, the left you. arm was in tight, and I thought it was the less bouncing on the shoulder because the shoulder hurts. Okay. So get those guys ready for Washington. Have them dress if you need them. You don't want to be nude. That's not what I meant. Oh, Literally. Oh, 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 okay. They have the pads on. They're on the sideline if you, if you need them. Because it's nighttime. It'll be a little cold. I want to just go to break. <laughs> David Locke's coming up next. This is why he talks stats with you. Everything else is trouble. Stick with the numbers. David Locke, the Jazz and Lakers tonight. The Jazz at home against the Sacramento Kings tomorrow. David will join us next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz are in action tonight. They play the Lakers in Los Angeles. The game tips off at 8.30. Pre-game show starts at 7.30 here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The game's late. You can watch it on ESPN. The Jazz are back home tomorrow night to face Sacramento. The Kings are at home tonight facing Portland. So both teams will be going back-to-back tomorrow night. Clippers are a perfect 2-0 after blasting the Golden State Warriors 141-122. to Giannis Antetokounmpo had a triple-double but fouled out without him. The Bucks held on in Houston and won 117-111 to over the Rockets. College football tomorrow night. Utes kick off at 8 o'clock on FS1. The Ute pregame show starts at 5 o'clock tomorrow here on The Zone. Utah State kicks off in Colorado Springs at 8.15 on ESPN2. Scotty G will have the call. Pregame show starts at 7 and game at 8.15 on 1280 The Zone. The Jazz, you can hear them on 97.5 The Zone. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park right and save at Diamond Airport Parking. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The head coach at BYU, Kalani Sataki. From what I heard, Hans was wrestling guys at BYU no, even if they didn't want to be. I don't wrestling. want to talk about that. <laughs> you always kind of walked away from him because you never knew what kind of mood he was going to be in. You didn't know if he was going to take the chair from under you and balance it on his chin. Or he's going to literally pick you up and bench press you or put you over his head and suplex you. I already told you the story about how he hyperextended my elbow when he suplexed me and I wasn't expecting it. I mean, you know, it's just the thing like that, this Hans was a walking liability. So uh, it's, it's nice that he's sitting down and on a microphone instead of causing accidents everywhere. He still does that too. <laughs> I still do that every once in a while. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you? We are doing well. The Jazz. How's my other buddy? PK, what's up, baby? Uh, you know, I've had better days, but this is okay, I guess. How come? <laughs> Just trying to get your voice to break, and it almost worked. No, I am in a. I I I wasn't uh, before the season. I wasn't in a great mock mood, but now I'm in a great moodier. You're you're the best. Seriously, there's just nobody's ever been better than you. I mean, you are like on the backside of your career, definitely trending down, and to still be able to play at that level is impressive. <laughs> I've always been on the backside. <laughs> All right, let's start with Moutier right there. Uh, we know that uh, guys have good ga- games and bad games. They have horrible games and great games. They also have a bunch of average games. Which one was that that he just had? I mean, he was really good. Uh, maybe most importantly, and uh, credit to Ben Gowsett of uh, Forbes, who I think had this out there, so I don't want to steal someone else's information. I think the Jazz played, and I just talked about Unlocked on Jazz, so I've stole it twice. Um, the Jazz played, I think, about 20% of their possessions in transition when Moutier was on the floor the other night. So, um, you know, that's an area where the Jazz are trying to make considerable improvement is playing off of misses with force and with pace. They were, I believe, 18th in the league off after misses last year offensively, 10th in the league on half-court sets after makes, and if they can get better on misses, that's the area where the offense will get better, particularly some of the guys. Boyan Bogdanovich played 20% of his possessions last year um, in transition, and so I think that's somewhere where he has success if he's going to have a good year for the jazz he needs to have those possessed early transition threes and and get those opportunities um and then it also just makes your offense better particularly second unit i think is uh important to be able to run so moody got out he ran he used his powerful body he doesn't have a great deal of wiggle he's actually not an elite athlete in the sense that like getting up his weakness in his career has been finishing at the rim he finished the other night so that's nice his mid-range jumper um, which he has a tendency to take more than analytics people would like is something that's gotten a lot better over uh, the last two years. Um, he's, you know, he has, uh, he's been a decent corner three shooter and not a good above the break three shooter. So his mid range, kind of that shorter shot has been one that he's been better on over time, but he was really, really good. If the jazz can get that as their second unit all season long, that'll be great. And I think he's really, really important 
to the Quinn Snyder's flexibility of what he does. If Quinn Snyder knows he can get 16 minutes a night behind Emmanuel Moutier every single night, excuse me, behind Mike Conley every single night, it allows him to do a lot of different things. If he can't get that and he has to play Donovan as the backup one for a lot of the minutes, then it changes a good deal of what you can do and also probably wears Donovan out and he might not be as fresh as he was late in the game. So we saw that extension for Quinn Snyder, and I saw you on social media. I saw you on with uh, Dave Fox talking about Quinn Snyder's Hey, thanks for watching, PK. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you speak. Okay, I, I tend to gather your information and you know, use it in my own way or use it directly with you. So, yeah, Just steal sure. it. It's, uh, it's not that good. Just steal it. No, but please. Well, it, it have got it, me thinking. Wait. I mean, if you think about it, when I say things where I say them, it has like a fifth of the audience and if you say them, so if they're actually good, please use them and let me have some value in your life. Thank you. I know. You always have. Yeah. You make me think. Yeah. Sometimes you make yeah. me smack my head against a wall, or the, other times you make me think. You know, it depends. Right. Depends Occasionally you throw up in your mouth. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about Quinn Snyder's just overall intelligence as a human being. And as I look at this West, it has a potential to be jumbled up. You know, and it has been to an extent. It was last year. You know, there's not much separating uh, three, four teams by just a few games. So my thought for you, and you know Quinn obviously way more than I do. So my thought for you is with this level of intelligence, which he has, which I don't doubt, how much of a difference do you think that can make in terms of translation of winning more ball games because of his coaching acumen and his intelligence and how he sees things? So there's two answers to this. Uh, one is I think overall the coaching in the league is great. Um, because when you watch a team that's not coached well, it's really obvious. Okay, so separate out the three or four teams that don't look like their coach particularly well. And I think um, that so you immediately, you know, at that moment, those are obvious, right? Most of the coaches are taking advantage of that. Right. Then I do think there's an element. I mean, I think that the Jazz and the Milwaukee Bucks um, and Quinn and Bud have worked together before are playing a game from a money ball standpoint of shot distribution and how they play the game that's leading to as many as seven or eight wins in a year. Like, so a lot. Yeah, They okay. just take a lot better shots and defend. So that's part of that intelligence. Um, the second one is Quinn's ability to use players at their strength. Or even a flip side is to change, start using a player in a way in which they feel that they're being engaged or used, where he's actually trying to take away a weakness. Um, you know, five years from now, I'll probably tell this whole story, but there, in the last few years, there's, you know, was a player who had a tendency to do something, and so Quinn wanted to get rid of it as part of the game because it wasn't good. And so instead of, don't do this, it was, hey, I want to use you in this way. I think this really matches your skills better. When you come out of this set and you get it this moment, let's do these things that work, you know. And it's just a, such a great way to distribute the message. And so now that player feels even more engaged than ever before because they're being asked to do something differently. And he then is in the media talking to them, the media about this player's skill and how this part of their game is developing so well. And, you know, he's got this guy engaged into doing something when the truth was, 
the guy was actually doing something else that was really detrimental to the well-being of the team, and Quinn had to get rid of it. And those, those types of just really, you know, that's just coaching, but that's a pretty high level. See, that's, uh, I think that's where the advantage comes in, because when you talk to Quinn and you ask him some questions, you really do get a sense of the intellect, you know? It's like, mm, I think you can talk over my head pretty quickly. Um, but I think that, like, the excellent you know, shot distribution stuff, I think because teams are well-coached and there's lots of assistants and analysts to break that stuff down, you could have an advantage that in the short run, but in the long run, most of the teams will catch up to you. They'll catch on to what you're doing, and they'll start doing it. But the ability to interact with people and get the best out of them, either by getting them to do something that's bad less or to do something that's good more, to build the confidence. And this is distracting because the guy is ripping a hat off PK's head right now, and they're enjoying it a lot because we're on remote in Woods Cross, Murdoch Chevrolet. Uh, oh, you're Murdoch Chevy. I'm driving, a bla- I'm driving a Murdoch Blazer right now. They're great. See, and actually, I don't know. Yeah, actually, it was interesting. My son had to drive it for a day, which is always a little bit of a risk. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and he actually, nah. came, Dad, I really like that. It's really solid. I actually, I love this. He says, I was actually going a little too fast because I didn't realize because the car was so quiet. I'm like, great. Let's go get you back in a car that's loud. <laughs> so to get back to the Quinn point, you know, the X's and O stuff, there is an advantage there to be had when you figure it out. But I don't feel like it has staying power in the long run. But that ability to connect with people and eliminate the bad stuff and get the best out of them, it seems like that's where there's really wins to be had from a coaching perspective. Yeah, I mean, he's really brilliant, he's really brilliant at player management, and, and actually everyone, not just player, coaches management, broadcaster management. Like, you know, um, he, he lures us all into being incredibly a part of it and feel very engaged. You feel, you know, you feel like you matter, which is what a coach's job is, even though if you stop for a second and realize you're calling the games on radio and you don't matter, but he'll actually make you think you do matter. Like, just I felt it. Like, oh, wow, you know, and, you know, get a thank you for something that really, like, come on, it was irrelevant, but it makes you feel like it's coaching, right? Like, he's got all this engaged. Um, and if he's doing it to the lowest guy in the totem pole, then he's certainly doing it to everyone else in, in the process. So it's very impressive. Um, I do think the coaching, I would go a little bit bigger on the coaching. Like, you know, Mike Conley's always getting the ball, going to get a ball, ball coming in the direction that's best for him. Joe Ingles is always coming off the pick and roll with his left hand. Uh, Derek Favors and Joe Ingles worked so well because Derek Favors actually can catch on the pick and roll going one direction and cannot catch it on the pick and roll going the other direction. Um, and that's why Donovan Mitchell and Derek Favors had a terrible pick and roll combination last year because Donovan's coming with the right hand. Derek doesn't catch as well going that direction. Derek catches with his right hand below him, not his left hand below him. And so Quinn used the Derek Favors, Joe Ingles pick and roll because that's what works for both players. With left hand lets Derek roll with his right shoulder going to the baseline. He doesn't roll as well the other way. He and Donovan would run into each other all the time. You know, maybe that's basic, but that's also, not, you know, building your system, you having your system, but then maximizing how your players are using that system. So we saw Mitchell just, just play marvelously in the first game, and, and Conley struggled. The thing that I liked about Conley, though, is that his shots were there, and he took them. Even at 1 for 10, he's taken 1 for 11, 1 for 12. Obviously, over time, those shots are going to fall. My thought for you is Donovan Mitchell specifically, based on what he had on the floor last year, based on what he has on the floor, even though Conley didn't shoot the ball well, and some other guys this year, how much of that was a reflection? 
reflection of the spacing and having to account for these other guys that will allow Mitchell to do what he did in game one more consistently over the next 81 and into the postseason? Uh, I think that's it. I think you hit it. I think that space was there. I mean, they went and hunted out Danilo Gallinari at a very high level. Um, you know, in, interestingly, I was talking to Quinn last night, the play where Donovan gets the dunk on the final play of the half where they went and got Danilo. The players did that on their own. That's That, I think, also to the, to the brilliance of Quinn is um, – and I thought, David, you might have been there the other day when he talked about – we need them to understand why we do things so they get a bigger, a deeper understanding of how to do them. Do you remember that? Were you there for that? I, I do remember that. I don't know if I was there. I think I saw it on Twitter or something. But anyway, yeah, I know the comment. Really, yeah, yeah. But it was basically... Really interesting comment, right? That, right, like, because he... So basically, he's, deep, Go ahead. No, go. You got it. Well, it was just basically he was saying that you can't hold their hand and get them to every situation. They have to recognize it so they just seize it in the moment. Right. And so his point is they got to understand what we're trying to do both offensively and defensively, what our principles are, what, what our goals are. Then they can figure out how to do it. He, you know, Quinn's a big believer in the brilliance of the players. So that was a good example where the guys knew, all right, here's our principles. They cleared that side. They cleared that side and then had Danilo be the one who had to switch on Donovan and Donovan blows by him for a dunk. And then late in the game, the Jazz just hunted out Danilo Gallinari and almost, you know, like if there was a, if it was grade school, the principals involved, it was bad um, to the point where they had to pull him. And Donovan just had so much space to be able to work in a manner that he just didn't used to have because um, Rubio and Crowder weren't being guarded in those circumstances. And so that was really obvious and different. And so what we're going to see, I think here very shortly is Donovan's going to clear out and find whoever he wants to go after. I don't know who that would be tonight. They have a pretty good group um, unless Avery Bradley's really gotten slow. Uh, and then, there, someone's going to sag in, and so is Donovan at a stage where he can make the right read to make the pass, and does Boyan or Mike or Joe knock down the shot? And that'll be that'll be the next step in this process, is that when someone takes away that space because Donovan's too darn good, can they make a can they make the right play out of it? And they generally did the other night, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, we're almost out of time here, but is the defense going to be as, a good, as good as it was, 38%, 95 points? Maybe not that good, but is it going to be close to that, or was that game an outlier? No, I mean, I think it'll be good. I think Oklahoma City might um, not be a very good offensive team. Here's the difference between preseason and regular season. Preseason, the Utah Jazz go through their shoot-around and say, hey, here's what they run, and they just prepare them. And in the regular season, they say, here's what they run, and here's how we're not going to let them get it. And so Danilo Gallinari's main play for Oklahoma City, he's on the baseline, and it's a double stagger kind of pinned down for him, and they'll run a bunch of actions on it. And you just didn't see it once the whole game. You just didn't see it, maybe once. Out of a timeout, they ran a variation of it and got him a three from the top. Otherwise, you just didn't see it. And that's because the Jazz were defending it great, and they had a plan, they knew exactly what to do, and they took it away. And that's, and that's the difference between preseason and regular season. David, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, guys. All right. You'll hear David Locke on the call tonight. It's the Jazz and the Lakers, 8.30 tip. The game's on ESPN, and it's right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. As David mentioned, we are broadcasting live. Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West in Woods Cross. You can shop online anytime at MurdochChev.com. They've got their 
Murdoch Chevrolet in every driveway sales event underway now, up to 13000 off a new 2019 Chevy Silverado, 20% off MSRP on a new Chevy 2019 Cruze, and a conventional oil change is now only $19.99. The offer's good now until the end of the broadcast. $19.99. Murdoch Chevrolet, where customers truly are the heart of our business. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Jazz are playing the Lakers tonight. Back to back with the Kings tomorrow. Kings will be back to back too. They're playing in Port or they're playing Portland at home tonight. So both teams will be flying in from California. See the uh, LeBron James quote. Kyle Goon used to come on our show. Used to write for the Salt Lake Tribune. We both know him well. Taught him everything he knows. He's down at the Orange County Register covering the Lakers. And LeBron got asked about Mike Conley's one for sixteen. LeBron said, well, "That's the worst thing that could have happened." I think he missed eight of his right-hand floaters, which has been money for his whole career. So I didn't analyze that too much. Speaking of LeBron? Yeah, LeBron basically saying law of averages. He's, this is his go-to shot, and he missed it eight times. It's the worst thing that could have happened to us because he knows it's going to go in Friday night. Yeah, I don't know if it's specifically going to go in this time, and it's, it's not about any one particular game. I don't know necessarily that's the worst thing. You can be in a little bit of a shooting slump that can add – one more game, two more games to your slump. So maybe you're not in a slump. Maybe it's just certainly one game isn't a slump. Uh, but I liked his aggressiveness. Didn't change. The mindset didn't change. Shot didn't go in. But you wouldn't have known it. The only way you would have known it is when he laughed when he made that free throw at the end, remember? And he, because he put him up yep. by four. And you know, we used to talk about this with Hayward, and I don't mean to intentionally bash on Hayward. That's not the point because the Jazz are in a much better position now without him, not that him leaving led to it. But the point is, remember when he used to, you'd see it after timeouts, and it seemed like he would be shrugging those shoulders and his body language. Remember how we talked about that? Yep. I remember talking about his body language a lot. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're not winning. I didn't make the shot, what yep. have you. Well, you didn't see any of that in Conley. I didn't think so anyway yeah, from a, my perspective. It's a different – well, it's two different players, so there's that. And yeah. then it's also – I think that's often the difference between a guy who's in his first five years in the yeah. league and a guy who's, you know, let's be honest. Right, and I, last, I'm not trying to condemn Gordon his, here. Right, I know. But, but Conley's in his last five years in the league, right? I mean, this is a guy who's got – I think I think he said this is his 13th season. Yeah, 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 yeah. He knows. Right. It was a bad night. It doesn't define Friday or Saturday or next Monday or whatever. Just, There's going to be a 12 for 16 game, I'm sure of it. I yeah. don't know that it's necessarily going to come right now, but over the course of however many games he plays, he's most likely going to be where he's supposed to be. I get what LeBron's saying. It just may not be manifest literally the very next game, but I think what he's talking about is over time, if you're a proven commodity, right. that's why you are who you are, because you are a proven commodity. Kind of circular logic there. So none of us seem all that 
concern about that. And that right-handed floater, I talked about how I saw that in the preseason game against New Orleans. There was two plays of that preseason offensively that stuck out to me that I haven't seen in recent years, and it was in both of them in that very game against New Orleans down there as Conley goes baseline in front of the bench of the Pelicans, and he puts it up on the move right-handed. That was very impressive, and it was a nice little soft floater as if almost he was right at the rim just laying it up with his dominant hand. So clearly he can go both ways. And then there was another one. It wasn't really a fast break. They were in transition. They just got the ball up the court real uh, fast. And Bogdanovich, in terms of lightning quick release, Jeff Hornacek-like right in front of the Pelicans bench, corner three, Boom. Now, from those two plays, we haven't seen those those positions being able to do that. Uh, certainly, I don't know ever, really, uh, in, in recent years. Not under Quinn Snyder's time as the coach of the Jazz, have they had that. Those are two particular plays that stood out to me, and I believe we'll see those time and time again. I don't want to go overboard and act like this is a 65-win team that's just going to roll through because I don't believe that either. Right now, the Clippers look like the team to beat two games into it, take it for what it's worth, but the fact is the Jazz have so many more weapons, and over time, Conley will be just fine. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight is the night I think actually he'll press a little bit more before he loosens up because he knows you had one for 16. And so he may not have known, oh, my gosh, I'm one for 16. But after the game, he knew he was one for 16. So if he misses his first three shots, he's going to think, I'm one for 19. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't have it build on itself. I sure hope for his sake and the team's sake he comes out and hits three of his first four. At that point, if that happens tonight, then I think he'll relax. But until that happens... I think he might be a little bit uptight, but I don't worry over the term of the season about him being uptight, nor certainly when we get to the postseason when it matters the most. I get LeBron's point. I just want, I don't think it necessarily will show itself tonight. But this would be a nice win, and we talked about it earlier. National TV, blah, 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 the Lakers, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Uh, there'll be yeah. uh, untold amount of stars at this game, right? The Hollywood folk Friday will come night, out. night, right? Yeah. They'll come out in forces because it's the first home game. I mean, I realize they played in the same building, but all their seats that they have low, they don't have for the Clippers. They have for this one. So we'll be seeing those stars being on uh, display tonight. 20-fold or however it might be. One thing to beat a team that's probably a lottery team at home, it's another thing to go play a team that's probably a playoff team on the road. How's Diane Cannon looking these days? Don't know, but I'll be watching closely tonight to find out. Who's your favorite female celebrity basketball fan? Because we lost Penny Marshall, right? Yes. She was hardcore. She was. You see her at the, uh, the women's games, the Sparks. I actually saw her I, back when the Stars were in town. I would go down and cover those games, and she would be there. So who do you like? I, I told you that time I had that. We gazed into each other's eyes, Daryl Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce? Who are you going with? Uh, I was about to say Beyonce, but I thought maybe Halle Berry. Halle Berry? Yeah. Halle Berry. One of the great Academy Award speeches of all time. You know, I was looking around the other night, and I saw that Monsters Ball. Oh, yeah, I did. I know. I was on. That was we were, not we were exactly doing the same an thing. uplifting film. No, it wasn't. <laughs> what was the point of it? I, I, uh, it, it to depress us all. It, I, it, it escaped me. DJ and PK, we're broadcasting live. Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West. 
We are in Woods Cross, Murdoch Chevrolet. You can shop online at MurdochChev.com. Murdoch, C-H-E-V.com. Their every driveway sales event is underway here at Murdoch Chevrolet. That means 20% off MSRP on a new Chevy 2019 Cruze, up to 13000 off a new 2019 Chevy Silverado. And if you're looking for a deal this morning in the next hour, a conventional oil change is now only nineteen ninety nine. Offers good until the end of our broadcast. Nineteen ninety nine for an oil change. Come on down, Murdoch Chevrolet, where customers truly are the heart of our business.